Hey there, it's Pastor Evan. Hey, I'm glad you've decided to join us at the Lakeridge Community Podcast. This week we tried something new. In our sermon series on mind, body, and spirit, we dived into emotions. And to help us unpack those emotions and our feelings, we chatted a little bit with, with Maureen Spidal, a registered psychologist and, local, and a local here to Chestermere. I hope that this is a helpful uh, conversation of just kind of discovering a little bit more about how you do that and hearing some great stories. Have a listen and subscribe. And so I'd love for it uh, if you considered sharing this podcast with other friends uh, who might find this helpful. You can always find more information on our website at lakeridgecommunity.com. Hope you're having a great day. Enjoy. I am super excited to have this conversation, mostly because it's like I, I told Kristen this morning, I'm like, it's like a chance to get free counseling. I, I'm finally <laughs> going to trick Maureen into actually giving me counseling. So That's she, funny. She, she so won't say no. <laughs> yeah. Since she said no, this will be the way I'm going to trick her into it then. <laughs> That's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. So, so I, I am, I am really excited about it and I really do hope that this is like a helpful thing for people to kind of think through and, and yeah, there's even a component for me that I'm, I'm hoping it'll be helpful for me too. And me so, too. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So I want to tell you a little bit what we're up to at church and kind of how we've come okay. to this. And I know I told you that a little bit before, but so, so essentially this fall, um, I was actually at the mental health coalition meeting yeah. and, uh, and a bunch of the different people around the table were just talking about how um, anxious they were, how concerned they were about January and February of this year. And what was that going to be like? And here we are. And here we are, right? And so I came out of that meeting and I was like, okay, what does Evan, Pastor Evan, need to do to set my people up to succeed in January and, and in February? And so in November, we, Preston and I talked and we had a lot, lot of conversation around it. And we decided we would do some, a sermon series around mind, body, and spirit. And... Um, and we would start it in November because we wanted to say a few things in November and we'd take a little break from it for the Advent season and Christmas. And then we would try to get, pick it back up in January and February. And, and the things we wanted to say about it in November was like people who do self-care well plan to do self-care well. Okay. They, they don't just hope it happens on a, you know, on a wing and a prayer. Hopefully I'll, I'll have good mental health. They, they actually do um, set up good practices in the church. We, you know, we, we use spiritual practices as one of those avenues, but we wanted to kind of take it and go even farther. And so in November, I actually did tell people, if you don't, if you don't have a counselor, you should find one in November because you should do it now. Yeah. Uh, because in January, you're not going to want to be Googling counselors in Calgary you know, like, and trying and to build some, and every, everybody going like, when can you get me in? And I'm like, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so this was kind of the proactive, one of the proactive things we were trying to do at Lakeridge. And I've always been an advocate for counseling, even though, you know, scared the crap out of me the first time I went I wanted to see somebody. Even I pulled up out front of your office to not see you, which I wanted to see you, but I pulled up front of your office like, no, I'm the one to do this. That's I, I, I figure I just, just keep driving. Yeah, let's keep driving. I wonder how many people do that. 
Those people that don't show for the first appointment, right? Yep. Well, I, I used to work across the hall from a counselor and I used to tell her, man, if I got stood up as much as you get stood up, I, I think it would be really hard on my ego. It's hard on and she ego. was like, yeah, it, she's like, I don't take it personally anymore at all. But I, yeah. but she's like, you do look at your watch and go, okay, are they running late? Are they in the parking lot? Or are they still under the covers at home? <laughs> yeah. And so, um, so in a way, that's a little bit of why I'm excited about, about this conversation because um, I've been trying to learn about this topic of emotions and like, how do emotions work? Um, how do they not work? How, how do you, I, I think I have always had a tendency to keep them in control. Like I really want to keep them in control. And, um, and, uh, and then realizing that my actual personality type is is actually somebody who's kind of out of touch with them a little bit and so so when it ends up coming up a sermon topic and Preston puts my name on it and I see okay I got to talk about emotions and feelings how am I going to do this and so on some levels I'm super excited we're doing this conversation because I don't feel like I have to be an expert I'm going to let you be the expert and I'll ask you the questions and then the other side of it is the faith component for me which is like one of the ways that I've come to understand how God is present in my life is that he dwells in me. Mm. And so there's this like beautiful story um, right out of the creation story of the Bible that talks about how God created us in his image and his likeness and, and gave us his characteristics. Okay. So, so, uh-huh. so the way we talk about that is that essentially, if you want to know what God looks like then you just, just look in the mirror, you know, that that's what God looks like. And, um, and then the the beautiful part of that particular story, and this is this is important to this, is that that he creates all those things, and then as the poem goes or the story goes, whatever version or however you like to see that, it says he breathed into into his creation the breath of life. And in the Hebrew language, that word is raka. It means raka, and um, and it actually means spirit. So, so it's like the, the way that I like to understand this is, is that God created you in his image, in his likeness, gave you his characteristics and then held nothing back, mm-hmm. but breathed into you his spirit. Like and so, right. So a little bit of how we've talked about it is that you, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke on this and said, your body is the dwelling place of God. We should find great peace, actually, that this imperfect thing that you, you carry around with you, whatever you look in the mirror and see, that God chose to, like, make his home there. It doesn't make him as uncomfortable as it does you, maybe, when you look in the mirror and you have guilt or you have shame or you don't like how you, you don't have no muscles. You know, that never yeah. happens to me because I look in the mirror and I'm like, check out these muscles right but but that that this is how god works so this is my little intro to kind of set you up for this like emotions thing then we have this this god who who's created this body who's created it to do like some crazy stuff yeah like and what it's capable of and i was reading how the brain like if you have a stroke in a portion of your brain, 
dies. Dies. Mm-hmm. That literally just another part of your brain can learn that stuff. I worked with um, a boy. He had chronic seizures. And this was way before. I was still in university, so I wasn't a psychologist. I was a, as a lifeguard, to be very honest. And um, he had a frontal lobectomy. The front portion of his brain was literally separated from the rest of his brain. So there was no connection there at all because he kept having chronic seizures. And so when he walked, it affected his arm, it affected his leg, um, and his mom really wanted him to learn how to swim. So swimming lessons with him were like totally innovative. We had to make strokes and, you know, figure it out. And then um, one day I was teaching him how to dive into the water. And when we first started diving before, he had no depth perception. So imagine like literally throwing yourself into something and you don't know how far away it is like crazy. Right. And then all of a sudden one day I was watching him and I said to his mom, I'm like, I think he can see how far away it is now. And she goes, Oh yeah, that came back a couple of weeks ago. It's like, what? Isn't that crazy? So that your body is made up to handle the physical to reprogram itself to you know, the brain to do these things. And then added on top of that, this mystical aspect of our spirituality. Yeah. And, and then for me, like emotions are mystical, right? That this exterior thing happens and I have this interior feeling about it. So, so this is one of my questions for you. What, how do you define emotions? Like what are emotions? How do I define emotions? Well, I define emotions as, I don't really define emotions. I understand emotions to be our brains telling us what we need, right? So if I was to ask you, what brings you joy? Happiness. I, I love to dream. Uh, imagining um, the future, Okay. So while you're sleeping or you like to, like when you're awake, dream and plan and. Well, I'm awake. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I was going to say like, like I love working in the shop, my garage, my working with wood and all those things. But mostly that's because I'm imagining what I'm going to create. So it's kind of back to the dreaming part. And do you, but, do you like it better? Like, is there more joy when something you plan work? Like I remember that one table you made where it looked all the, like the table was falling down. It was all those blocks. So cool. Right. Yeah. Did you have great yeah. joy from that? A great deal of joy from that. And trying to, trying to figure out how I was going to build it. Okay. Okay. Right. So, so problem like, solving. Yeah. Yeah. So fun to dream it. But then I started building and I realized, oh man, these aren't going to hold on here very well. And how am I going to figure this out? And, and yeah. then coming up with a solution that worked. Yeah. Um, that, that was, that was the best part of it. Okay. Okay. So why is that vital to your survival? Essential. I'm going to use that word essential to your survival. Those things that you just talked about, why are they essential for you, Evan, to survive and thrive? I think, I feel like if I came to the end of my life and I wasn't able to experience joy and in little things as much as big things, mm-hmm. um, that I will have, I, I think I will have wasted it in part a little bit, but I think also um, 
I will have deprived others of, of the gift to be able to see the humorous side of things. Okay. And so this, even what you said earlier, right? That it's like your emotions are communicating something to you. They're telling you something. Telling you you need something. Right. And yeah. And I, I, um, I had, I had read this kind of cool thing. I should read it for you. How do you allow your emotions to uh, inform you, but not dictate to you? Their, their job is to tell you what you need. And then you use a diff because they're in a different part of your brain. They're in the middle of your brain. Okay. okay explain that to me. Okay, okay. Wait a sec. Okay. So this is, I call it your lizard brain. It's the part that mostly just watches and notices things, right? But if it thinks you're in danger, so if a saber-toothed tiger bounded into my room, it would shut off the rest of my brain and it would turn on to do whatever I needed to do to keep safe. Fight or flight, freeze, flock, those four defense mechanisms, right? Okay. Make sense? Yep. Limbic system, whole host, don't make me name all the different parts. I can't remember them all. But that's where, our, that's where our emotions come from. And it's interesting because our spinal, our spinal cord, which takes lots of information, actually comes up in our limbic system. And it uses past experiences to decide how to feel, right? Or some, some emotions are innate. So when you talked about that spirit, maybe that's what it is. I don't know. We don't know. Brains, brain, we don't know a lot about the brain. But it's that piece of our brain that tells us what we feel. And I tell people all the time, what you want to do is feel, and then you want to use this prefrontal cortex. That's the part of our brain that can look at things and it can go, oh, well, that's interesting. What do we want to do about that? Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's, our, yeah. that's our prefrontal cortex. So we want to feel, right? And then not be dictated. Dictated means we go into that fight, flight, freeze, flock. So we go and back inside. And we just of further out. Right? When people are like, I don't even know why I said that. <laughs> See, my, my, my response always is like, I don't know why I said that. And I, I actually do know why. Because I thought it would be funny. Ah. So why. back, because I, I like to wrap up ideas. I know okay. you, and I, you and I are talkers. This is going to be really funny. But the reason we feel joy, right, is because it keeps us doing what we need to do. So when we feel joy at connecting with people, we set, we, we set things up to connect with people, right? When we feel good at eating good foods, we nourish our bodies. That's pretty essential, right? Mm -hmm. Being with friends and family, that helps our kids grow. That help, like it forms community. Community is good for humans, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of, you know, basic survival, but also it's just good for our souls. And so joy keeps us doing that. Okay. Right? And it feels good. So we keep doing it. If it didn't feel good, we wouldn't do it. If, if good food didn't. So, so then, so if you take, does that principle apply then with other emotions? That's how I teach it. Right. Okay. So then I always say, then the opposite of joy is. Is pain the right word? Sure. Okay. I, I call it sadness, <laughs> but pain will work. So what things make you sad? Oh, so many things so many do, do make me sad actually I, I think that's one of the things that surprise people most about me is that when you talk to me so much of how i come across is joyful mm -hmm. so it pains me like big big things it pains me that 
that there is world hunger, that, that, mm. that the world is hungry and we know there is enough food to feed it. But it hurts me when leaders abuse power. Wow. And on a week, a week like this past week, um, I don't want to get all political, but yeah, but I was just seeing how heartbroken I was by that. Um, a big one for me is is when people decide what what someone is like based on the color of their skin or even their religion. Yeah. And I, I experienced that a lot personally. Like, obviously, I have two kids that are black in my house. And so there's a little bit of the like, like straight up racism that we're talking about. But even even in my own personal life, like when people decide what I'm like because they see I'm a pastor and uh, because I must be ultra religious. Yeah. Or I even I, the big one is or I must have it all together. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, get, I, like, I get that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, uh, yeah, that's not how it works, actually. And then, uh, like, honestly, when I see people in pain and not knowing a way towards health, okay. so like, like loneliness, like right now, loneliness is a big one for me. It, it's just breaking my heart that people are experiencing, like, some loneliness is okay, creates mm-hmm. space for reflection for all those things, but. But um, the loneliness of the ongoing, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 that that I just think has got to be the hardest thing, and and I think probably, and this was years ago. One of the biggest realizations I had in my life was that I was like, "Is this what lonely? Like, am I lonely? Was that what's happening here inside of me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right?" And and I didn't run out and meet a whole bunch of people, and didn't fix it. No. And that was because it's that connection piece that you're right. And so you did just a lovely lead in sadness to me is triggered by loss, loss of relationships or a loss of connection. So that's why that's why death. That's why divorce. That's why all those things cause so much sadness is because they're a loss. Mm-hmm. Right. All of those things like loss of, you know, seeing those leaders. I was like, how do I work this? You know, like this, these, when these leaders abuse power, cause it doesn't make me sad. It makes me mad. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, just a different way of me feeling it. And then how I want to respond, like getting the information. Does it make me sad or does it make me mad? Cause it could make me one or the other or both. And see, I would say those two things lead. I, I feel like those two things just lead one to the other. Could Sometimes. So, so this is one of the questions I had for you. All it's right. like, how do we do the work to interpret the feeling? Okay, why is sadness so important for us? Why is it essential to us surviving and thriving? I suppose at least on some levels, it's because it shows us that something's broken. It does. And it tells right? us that something needs to change. I didn't say it was clean or organized. Oh. <laughs> Okay. Messy I can do. So, so even, even like, okay, I, oh, I can't even, like, I can't even say it really well. I am really scared and of being like my kids getting hurt because that would make me incredibly sad. I don't know if I could recover from that. Right. That would make me so Mm. incredibly sad, which motivates us to do things to protect them. Right. Okay. 
So, and so what do you do then? What, what, well, what's your response then to that? Is that to just okay. hunker down? Sometimes people do that. Sometimes it's, you know, teaching them to look both ways across the street. Okay. You know, sometimes it's, you know, following the school bus to school the first day they tow to school to make sure that they get oh, there. Okay. Oh, you're one of those. Okay. Right. <laughs> Cause that sadness motivates me to, to, to do something about it. Okay. So, you know, I know you go to Haiti and you work really hard when you go over there. It's that sadness that drives you to do that. Otherwise, you wouldn't. Mm. Yeah, I think you're right. Oh, oh, and I would add, like, just my Haiti pitch is, is, is something, is a few other things to add on top. But one of the things I observe when I go there is the intense joy of people. Yeah. Of humans there. Yeah. And and the way that they are in community together and they do life together. Like yeah. they live on the street. They don't live in their house. They live on yeah. the street in front yeah. of their house. And I remind people often that it's like, because I haven't been there now in a, in a year and a half, almost a little more than a year and a half now. That make you sad? Yeah. I miss yeah. the people. I miss the relationships I have there. But also it reminds me that my stuff isn't that important. That mm-hmm. like, it, it helps to reset my mm-hmm. like, because I can just live into excess like so often. And I start thinking actually that happiness comes from some of the things that I have and that I get to enjoy here. And for me, going to Haiti reminds, kind of center me, centers me back to what I think is just, no, this is important to be here and reset but but um and i also do feel like and this does bring joy it does bring joy to help others for me i love that Mm -hmm. you know and uh so so that's one of those things like when i think about these emotions that we're talking about right it's like and i think for me the the real challenge is like and i i would hope this would be helpful for anyone who is listening to this too, is like, how do we convert that the emotion we feel in the moment into something that's helpful? So somebody you love says something that's hurtful, right? And you respond defensively. Sometimes that's helpful because if we can do that with respect and love, not necessarily being nice, but with respect and love. Sometimes it's a way of saying, you just crossed a line. That's not okay. Okay. And sometimes, you know, so sometimes we need to do, I call it the snapback, right? Hmm. Which just says like, uh, cross a line. Please don't do that again. Right? It's if we get mean back, well, then we have two defensive people on this. It's not going to go anywhere. <laughs> it's just- yeah. So that's right. one of those kind of, so that's one of the ways then, right? That you're paying attention to your emotions just enough. And anger in my mind is meant to protect us. Okay. Right? It kind of, you know, someone does something that's going to hurt my kid. That's when my mama bear comes out, but we still need this prefrontal cortex to say, do it with respect. Cause we don't know what's going on in their world, but it's okay to communicate. That's not okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. Good point. So it all comes down to boundaries. All comes down to, I think, I think respect, respecting ourselves as much as we respect okay. somebody else. And if that's, yeah, if that's a boundary, then that's a boundary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To me, it's, to me, that's a balance, okay. right? Respect for self, respect for others. I see it as a balance. I, yeah. To me, I just go, yeah. 
people I respect, I typically have, a, I respect their boundaries. So, yeah. so tell me, one of the things I wanted to talk about in this conversation was like, what are, what are the major emotions? Okay, I'm going to give you six. six. But before six. I do that, I want to do one more thing on that joy okay. sadness thing. Okay. Okay. So we talked about why they're essential to, for survival. They give us clues on what we need. So when something good happens to you, what's your natural instinct? What did you do when you made that table? When that table worked out, what did you do? I showed somebody. You shared it. Yeah, I did. Right? And that's what we yeah. need because then we share that joy in our community. Good example. So what yeah. do you need when you're sad? Oh, <laughs> if it's the same answer, I'm going to be really irritated. No, it's not the same answer. It's not the same answer. <laughs> it's not. I promise. I remember when my grandma died, which was, you know, I'd lost, already lost three grandparents. She was my, oh, I'd already lost six grandparents, but she was my last grandparent to die. And she wasn't supposed to. Um, lots of hospital complications. She still had lots of life to do. And it was unexpected. So I was, I was mad. I was sad. Like I was all those emotions, right? And I remember everyone coming up to me and going, she's in a better place now. <laughs> she doesn't hurt anymore. That one made me just, you know, yeah. made me want to get really mad outwardly. I didn't. That was because my prefrontal cortex was working. But I remember my husband came up to me and he just wrapped his arms around me and he said, he goes, I get it. He goes, this one, she wasn't ready. Right? Mm -hmm. And then he goes, I hope my brothers never see this. He goes, you're no one's favorite anymore because I was the favorite. I know that. <laughs> yeah. And he got it and he honored it. Mm. And that's what we need when we're sad. Because some, like sad is meant to, to I think, to, to have us avoid things, but we can't avoid everything. Mm -hmm. And so when we are sad, we need somebody who honors that. Someone that can sit in it with us, right? And mm -hmm. let us know that they're not alone, but not necessarily fix it for us. Sometimes it's just about honoring it. And see, that see, I I love the I love the image actually. It's interesting because I a story from Haiti actually came to mind when you were just talking about this. And we had driven uh, the doctor that I hang out with. His name is Doctor Mono, and uh, and a friend of mine, Kevin, was along. And then we had a fish expert that was with us. His name was Randy, and uh, we were heading into the into Cape Haitian, one of the cities. I'm gonna try to tell the story super fast. And uh, Doctor Mono had seen a a sick kid. Uh, that morning and the kid was quite sick and uh, like to the extent where he couldn't mono couldn't take care of him at the clinic that we that he runs and so we were giving this little boy and his mom a ride into the city so that they could get in another what's called a tap tap it's just a basically a, a small toyota with way too many humans in it and uh we were giving him a ride to this place so that he could they could grab a tap tap and, and head to another clinic that was more suited to take care of his needs. Sit in the front seat, drive in there. I've been to Haiti a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And and I the things that broke my heart the first trip aren't quite the same as what breaks my heart, you know, at trip 13, 15, you know, after all the years of going. We get to this tap tap place, I glance over and I watch this little boy get in the back of this overcrowded Toyota with his mom. 
and for a moment we get a we have a connection he looks at me i see him i see scared and he's out of my hands he's already in this tap tap all the logic that we were doing the right thing all that kind of stuff happens and mono we start driving away well i i, I got sunglasses on it's always hot and heat he's got sunglasses on and i and i start to cry and i decide i'm gonna just let it be i'm just gonna let this hurt mm-hmm. and mono notices he's a doctor he's done all the things so he immediately starts telling me all the things that he did and why this is the right thing he's listening he doesn't want you to be sad either medicine all the things like this place is going to be better they you know all the things he's listening off all those things the fish guy in the back is he's, he's, he's an analytical guy he starts telling me about how i have I have connected and associated this little boy with my little boy at home. And, and this is why I'm imagining Otto, my son, who's relatively the same age, you know, getting in this thing and leaving. All this Anyways. And, uh, and then my friend, Kevin, who is very in touch with his heart, he, he just sits there and is like, yeah, it's okay. You can just be sad for a little while. Right. And it was different responses to yeah. like what was happening. And I remember telling Mono because he just kept telling me why this was the right thing. And I finally said, you just leave me alone. And I, I just let myself cry for a few minutes. And then I got arrested and that distracted me away <laughs> from a bunch of things. So, whole different story. <laughs> and so I, I think I just felt like, uh, I don't know. I think in the moment, all the things were true. I think I was seeing my own sick son and I was all of that. I think I actually was also thinking like what we were, he was going to another hospital to be taken care of. I could take care of by running over to shoppers drug mart. But, but in the moment, like in that moment, I actually did say to mono, I said, if I don't cry now, it's going to come out some other way. And it was like a moment of where I, I actually feel like I, I managed my emotions the right way. By feeling them people can have almost the exact same experience and have very different emotional reactions to it. Mm. Right. That's the other thing. Like what might make you really sad might make me really mad. Right. I remember the first time I I don't want to belabor the story, but I, my friend was in town, my old roommate, and he convinced me and was my fiance at the time, but my husband now to do the, the COP bobsled ride. And based on all of our different experiences kind of growing up and our lives and our personalities, which all kind of intermingle, you know, my husband got out first and he was like, yeah, it was all right. I'm not sure it was worth 50 bucks, right? (laughs) 50 bucks back then was a lot of money for us, right? We were saving up for a wedding and, you know, just starting our careers. You know, my friend John got out and he was like, whoa, come on, let's go to the luge. Let's go to the skeleton. And he's all excited. He's an adventurer at heart. And whereas my husband has always had to like be responsible and me, full disclosure, I'm going down the bobsled, get to the bottom. Well, first of all, when they throw you down the bobsled trail, just before they, you know, after they've given you the bottle, the battle scarred helmet with the big scrape down the top. And when you're in the tube and then they're going to throw you down the mountain, they say, if you flip over, just pull your head in, you'll be fine. Kid you not. I hated it. I hated it. I had absolutely no control. I grew up where if things happened the way they were supposed to, things went well. But if they didn't, it wasn't so great. 
That, that is a very interesting All observation. All of us went down right? the yep. same hell, same rate of speed, same right rudders coming off the track. I, I do find that that to be a relief, kind of a fascinating thing. I, I know when we first started planting Lakeridge, that was one of the things was that, you know, I'd had somebody who was like, um, challenge. Yeah, so they're you know? excited. And, and I remember we're in this conversation and he ends up saying, you know what, like failure isn't an option. And I was like, in my head, as the leader of the organization, I was like, oh, it's definitely an option. I, I, entered, I entered this thing, right, with, with hope, with a dream, with the, all of those things. And, and, and the a energy, little bit of fear? Yeah, the energy and passion to make it happen. But most definitely, once I was into it, there was a great deal of fear. And it was fear of disappointment. It was fear that, like, people moved to okay. come like sold their homes to live to move and buy in Chestermere. And I started, I was like, and I, I talked a lot with my spiritual director at the time. I remember him saying to me, Yeah, you might fail. But do you want to fail being somebody other than yourself? Mm. Like, don't you think you owe it to you to do this and be Evan? So why is fear important? Why is fear essential? Well, I think it keeps us from dying. It does. Like, it protects us. <laughs> yeah, right? It's a protection thing. So most definitely, I think. It I think stops it, us from jumping off a cliff to see if our wings work. So when, how do you manage that? I don't know if you've seen the, the new movie about Mr. Mr. Rogers. No. Uh, highly recommend it. Okay. Highly recommend it. There's a scene in the movie. And Mr. Rogers is caring for this guy who is doing, he's a reporter and he's been building a relationship with Mr. Rogers and the guy's dad is dying. And he, and the guy has a very difficult relationship with his father. And there's a great deal of sadness and Mr. Rogers, which is Tom Hanks, right? He sees it and he sees that everybody is not wanting to talk about it. And he says this great line, anything mentioned can be managed. In other words, anything that's spoken out loud can be healed. Well, and fear's a good one to talk about that. Okay. I like that, right? So what is it telling you that you need? So it's telling, you know, it's essential because it's trying to keep you safe. But what is it telling you that you need? So how about if I tell you a story? Okay. Okay. Tell me a story. uh, My son was probably about four. And so he read this great book on weather, but it was an adult book on weather. So he got to learn about all the bad things that can happen to you, right? <laughs> hey, not the best parenting moment to take to Mexico. Yes. Is this a monsoon? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's raining. No, just rain. So yeah. he was asleep and he woke up and he was terrified. He'd, it was super windy out. And so he was like, mom, 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 mom. And so I went running into his room. And I'm like, what, what? And he's like, mom, mom, I think there's a tornado. I think there's a tornado. And I did what every parent does, crawled into bed with him, rubbed his back. I said, shh, 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 it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. There's no tornado, shh, 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 it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Which made him feel a little bit better because he wasn't alone, right? So I met one of his needs to not be alone in a tornado because that would feel better than being alone in a tornado. But it still wasn't really what he needed. Why? Because I'm rubbing his back and he thinks the house is going to blow away. Yeah. So what I did is I pulled two chairs up to the window 
And I said, okay, let's look. And so he's looking out the window. And I said, what are we looking for? He said, swirling clouds, mom. So I'm like, okay. So we look and he goes, mom. And I said, what? And he goes, I don't think there's a tornado. I said, no, I don't, I don't think there's a tornado either. I think it's just mm -hmm. windy. So then I'm tucking him back into bed thinking, ha ha, score. That's my move, right? And then he's like, mom, mom, mom. And I'm like, what? It's three in the morning, kid. I just did the super mom move. And he goes, mom, what if there's a tornado? Mm. Right? It's that what if, which is worse than, right? Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, okay. What if there's a tornado? And he goes, mom, mom, the safest place is in the basement. I said, okay. Here is, here's the answer to your question, our plan. Mm. If there's a tornado, you yell, mom, tornado, and you run into the basement and I'll bring dad and Kyle, right? And he goes, and Delta two, Delta's our dog. And I said, yeah, and Delta two. And now we have a plan because when we have a plan to stay safe, especially if it's with other people that we trust, does that make sense? Okay. That's how so I see it. I want to take that a little bit further. So you then, run. So, so that's a, uh, that is a helpful way of seeing how do we deal with emotions. Yeah. Right? So if I feel sad, I have a plan to tell my wife mm -hmm. or, or whatever, right? Like, yeah. or if I Someone that will sit with you in it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. exactly and not try to that that is that's a great story i'm assuming you yeah, use that story a lot that is a I great use that story. story a lot because <laughs> you told it so well i definitely <laughs> gonna, we're gonna include that <laughs> i i just i love that and and i i wonder like maybe we need to talk you know current events uh -huh. right because because i think that's been one of the real challenges around the pandemic things what right if? is on so many levels, the what if, like the difficult things of the pandemic have gone past what I could have ever possibly imagined in some areas, mm -hmm. in some areas, yeah. not in all areas, but in some areas in an effort to, and I, I agree with this, like I'm a hundred percent, we, we should, we should do our best to not have as much contact, mm -hmm. right? Physical contact with people. But oh my gosh, have I realized how much I need it? So there's this like, there's a negative consequence to doing the right thing. And then trying to measure the consequences of staying home and not being able to, you know, it's a funny thing. Up until the pandemic, people would, people would always say, Evan's not a hugger. And I would tell people, I'm not a real hugger, but I'll give you a hug if you need one. Until the pandemic. And I don't think I'm going to say that to anyone anymore. And like the, the danger of me telling you, you this first... is that people are going to come every time somebody sees me now, they're going to be giving me <laughs> hugs. Like this, so that's the danger of saying this out loud because I don't always need a hug. But, but what I am realizing is I, I need it. Mm -hmm. So how did, yeah. yeah, like, yeah. How do we do those things we can't do? Right. I get lots of hugs. I make them hug me. I got three boys in the house. I make them all hug me. But it's, you know, yeah, and it's, so that that's one of those challenging things now. When I think about about what's happening in our culture and our context, you know, and and there have been a few moments because I can see that that you're 
you're coming apart. You're unhealthy, isolating. Yeah. You're, oh. you know, all those kinds oh, of things. Oh, I love that image. I've never even pictured that image before, Evan. That whole, like, you get to fall apart right now because I'll hold you together. And then I know next time I'm falling apart, I, I can hold you together. Right? Yeah. But it doesn't mean we don't get to fall apart. It's just, you know, we don't lose all of our pieces if yeah. we do fall apart. Yeah. And I, I think right now I we're know. trying to, we're trying to explain a hug. I know, which is weird. <laughs> Right. It's very weird. It's like there's a mystical aspect to there physical is. contact. And yeah. Like, I just I and I, I actually believe that is that is like that is connected to our spiritual life. That actually that is what we were made for. Like yeah. you, you talked about the importance of community. And yeah. Then, but I, I would say, you know, I think there's a reason why that in the Christian faith we talk about the Holy Trinity. That oh, this yeah. is a this is a, a relationship person. of three, mm-hmm. and and um, like even in that story I was telling you at the beginning in Genesis, it says you know God said let us create. He doesn't say I'm going to create. You know I'm going to go back and I'm going to pull out my King James and I'm going to make there sure you that, <laughs> right. What the King James? You're really <laughs> going for it, right? But it's like let us create. Is this like? Uh the author is trying to help us to see that it's like, no, actually father, son, son Holy spirit, spirit, all present at creation. Mm-hmm. And, and Preston, Preston talks about this, like about that is like this intense love that when you, when you are intensely in love with somebody, he does it super awkward. When you're intensely in love with somebody, you want to make something together, whether it's yeah. a life or a baby or a whatever, yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, you want to do that. Yeah. All that. Right. And, and that, that in a way, all of creation was birthed out of God's intense love. Um, so I have, I have two more like kind of burning questions I want to ask. We never got to the six things, well, by the way. I see them in a balance. So we talked about joy, sadness in a balance. Okay. So those and are then two. I, and then I talk about curiosity, fear in balance curiosity as an emotion yes (laughs) okay okay you surprised me curiosity makes you go like oh what's that and fear makes you go oh what's that okay tell me the other two and then i want to come back to unpacking curiosity as an emotion okay so so the next one is anger which we've talked about yeah which is protective and guilt or shame. Okay. It's not an innate emotion. It's one that we learn. Anger is when somebody is going to do someone, something to you or something that you love, okay. right? And you need to protect it. Whereas the opposite of that, guilt or shame, is when you've done something that's potentially hurt somebody or something. Hmm. Right? Does that make sense? That's how I see it. This isn't, you're not going to find this in a journal. This is how I've yep. made sense of emotions to help people be able to identify them and use them. I differentiate between guilt and shame. So do I. So do I. And okay. I, like, th- this is a work of mine in progress. So like, but like yeah. I said, you're not going to find this in any book. This is just yeah, yeah, yeah. 
how I've, you know, how you put together things to try and interpret. This is how I put things together, try and interpret. So definitely I see guilt as much more healthy than shame. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? And so I actually, it was funny when we were talking about that, I'm like, do I even say the word shame? But I also think it's something that we need to talk about because so many people Mm -hmm. feel that. But yeah, I'll stop talking. Yeah. Yeah. Because I I go, like the quick answer for me on that is I go, like, guilt is the reminder that I've done something wrong. Yeah. Shame is the belief that I am something wrong. Yes. Yes. Healthy is guilt. A healthy, Mm -hmm. healthy is guilt because- you know, I want to feel bad if I hurt somebody. I don't want to feel bad, but it motivates me to fix it and not do it again. Okay. Curiosity. Okay. I'm curious about it. (laughs) Of all the things, yeah, yeah, for sure. Of all the emotions, like, I actually don't think I would have put that in the emotion category until the moment you said it. I, I think I can see what you're about to say. I, I think I always just thought of curiosity as an action, not an emotion. It's one of the first emotions that we see. So when you think of a little baby, they're like, oh, what's that? And that's yeah. how they learn and that's how we grow and that's how we learn skills. And so some of the things that bring you joy are also things that you're curious about because you were able to figure yeah. it out. And I most definitely would say, um, like, it's been my curiosity about, about other people that has kept me, kept my life joyful, to, to be honest with you, in so many ways. When my, when my wife asks me, how was your day? And I tell her about how something was good. I'll tell her it was good. And mostly it's around, I, I learned something new, mm-hmm. right? I, I, I engage yep. something new. So I'll be telling you tonight in hot tub time, I'll be <laughs> sitting there going, hey, do you know that curiosity is an emotion? <laughs> so uh, I, I want to wrap up two things. The first is my dog, uh, in true Zoom form, my dog is losing its mind upstairs. I want to be able to help people to figure out, you know, how do we manage these things? And so if you, if you could give... Like a couple of things. First of all, I'm not sure if you knew this, but it's like Blue Monday. Did you know it's like Blue Monday on on Monday? Have you even heard of that? I've heard of Blue Monday. I thought for some reason, I thought Blue Monday was in February. But yeah, I do know, I do know where it comes from. Definitely. Yeah. So here I, I, I told my daughter it. this on the way to school and she, she Googled it and this is her response. And I thought it was so funny. I was like, oh, I'm going to use that this morning if I get a chance. It's like, it says Blue Monday is... The theory goes that this is a time of the year when we're all cold, broke, and riddled with guilt that our New Year's resolution uh, to get fit, drink less alcohol, and basically become a better human has all fallen to the wayside. Like, this is like, it's three weeks into January. That's what, that's what happens. It's all gone to crap. <laughs> so given that, that we're going to give this recording out uh, on Sunday... And the next day is going to be Blue Monday. What is the advice you give? (laughs) Uh, To be kind to themselves. That we are all, I don't know, I feel like really put on the spot, but we're all perfectly imperfect. And, And who said you have to accomplish something by a certain time? If you've learned, what have you, what have you learned from the past three weeks? 
you know, how do you use it to go yeah. forward? That's what emotions are. What are they yeah. telling us? Yeah. Right? Maybe, maybe, maybe it's telling us something. How do we use it? We put so much hope into Christmas. We put so much hope into New Year's and what's going to change. And it's all of a sudden we're feeling a loss of that hope. Right? Yeah. That's where that sadness comes from. And it's telling us that what we had planned, that, that it, it, it isn't happening. And so how do, we, how do we take what we're learning from what's not working, right? And, and see what it's telling us. And okay, so- so I, I love that. And I, I, that's good advice. I, thank you so much for your, for your time and like for all those who will listen, but also for our Lake Ridge folks, especially we're grateful. Anytime we get, we get somebody to just share with us a little bit more what it means to like, experience God in our life and in, through our life is, is it's a gift you have. So I appreciate it. Thank and you. I, I appreciate it. And this is something I don't know that I've told you enough. I appreciate how much Lake Ridge does for this community. And that mm-hmm. is so heartfelt because um, some, some formals are so inclusive or so exclusive. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's not the experience I've had. Like I have no, like when people come in and, and they're, they're struggling with those spiritual questions. I, I don't, I don't know that. I don't, you know, I can sit with them in and I can honor it. I can do all the stuff that I'm trained to do, but it is so reassuring for me to be able to send people and say, Hey, go there. And it's not, it, it's you and it's Preston, but it's not just you and it's Preston. It's that whole community that you guys built, right? Like it's, it, it wraps around people and yeah. 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 Oh, thanks for saying that. 